This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Welcome to Turning a New Leaf, where we discuss the changing face of Canada as it prepares to legalize and regulate recreational cannabis across the country. Turning a New Leaf is produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. Enjoy. So welcome to today's show. Today's guest is Eben Britton. Eben is an activist, founder, author, health nut, and former offensive lineman as a pro NFL football player for the Chicago Bears. Now, Eben was born and raised in New York. He played football with the University of, Ari- the University of Arizona Wildcats on a scholarship where he also majored in creative writing. By the way, we should talk about that. I could maybe use your help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after college, Evan was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars, where he played four years as a starting offensive lineman and finished his career with the Chicago Bears. From a writing perspective, he's reported for, reported for Playboy magazine and Sports Illustrated. A couple of good credits there. And uh, currently a front runner in the legalization of medical marijuana and its benefits to promote a hel- holistic, healthy and balanced life. So currently, Eben lives in Los Angeles and has become a bit of an advocate, would you say, for uh, the healthy lifestyle? Definitely, no. So um, appreciate you coming on the show. And I wanted to start start this off by talking about how how you and I got connected and how I found out about you, because it's pretty weird. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. <laughs> so... Um, I had picked up a magazine in in the bookstore. It was I think it was just a, it was just called Marijuana Goes Mainstream, and it was one of those supplements you know the publisher puts out uh, to kind of capitalize on the current event, I guess. And I was reading yeah. through reading through it one night, and I read this story about you. Uh, played in the NFL, issues with pills and all of the medication that were you were being given, uh, and somehow discovered cannabis and have now become a bit of an advocate for particularly the CBD uh, benefits. And we'll obviously talk about that. So I put the magazine down. I don't think much about it. The same weekend, for whatever reason, I'm watching a documentary film on Netflix. And the film was called, I think it was called Take Your Pills. And that, yep. that film was about the Adderall addiction and Adderall use, particularly in, in students and universities. Um, and, mm-hmm. and they're talking to this guy. And he's like a former football player. <laughs> and I'm like, is this the same guy? And so I go grab the magazine and it was you. So I'm like, okay, I got to reach out. I got to find this guy. We got to talk. And so LinkedIn became uh, became our connection. I found you. I wrote you a note about this show and, and asked you if you'd come on and talk about it. And here we are. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. It's funny yeah. how the universe works like that. Isn't it? <laughs> so... I'm trying to imagine what the journey has been like for you. And obviously that's why we're here. So I thought, why don't we start with that? I mean, how does one go from being, you know, a pro level NFL football player to sort of cannabis activist and, and health nut? Let's start with that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, basically to figure out how to survive essentially um you know football playing in the nfl was always you know my my greatest dream you know since i was a little kid i had this vision of playing in the nfl and Mm -hmm. and i i accomplished that i made that i i climbed to the top of that mountain you know through a lot of hard work and really this singular focus you know everything i did um, everything I ate, everything I thought about was about, was geared towards making me the best possible football player to give me an opportunity to, to play at that level. And, right. and, uh, you know, everything I did really took me there. It, it carried me there, you know, from the weightlifting to the extra work on the practice field, you know, yeah. becoming a better offensive lineman, studying film, all of that stuff. You know, and uh, and along with uh, being very fortunate to be surrounded by great people who were always very encouraging and very supportive in that journey. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and then I got there and, um, I had some great years. I had some not so great years. I started dealing with my body started breaking down. So I started having a lot of injuries from, you know, dislocating my shoulder, which had been happening since my sophomore year of high school. It would subluxate. It would pop in and out of the socket every year of Mm -hmm. my football career until finally my second year in the NFL, it fully dislocated. And, uh, that happened twice in one game against the chiefs. And, you know, that was sort of the beginning of, you know, just my body really starting to, the, the game of football just started really taking a toll on my body. Yeah. And, um, you know, up until the NFL, um, the way that I dealt and managed my pain was, you know, maybe an occasional Advil here and there, but really there weren't many pills involved. You know, I, I really did a good job of watching what I ate. I did a lot of extra curricular, uh, healing treatments like, you know, getting yoga in maybe once a week during the season and throughout the off season, yoga was a big part of my, Mm -hmm. my regimen. And then, you know, making sure I always had a great chiropractor, a great body worker, someone who could, you know, really get my body, you know, cracked and bent <laughs> back into shape that it needed to be in so that I could go and, and do my thing on the football field. Right. Um, but when I got to the NFL, you know, it was very much a piece of the culture that, you know, pills, whether they were prescription anti-inflammatories, just like Cataflam or Celebrex, Indocin. You know, these are really highly powerful anti-inflammatories that taken regularly, you know, they they do a lot of damage on your your insides, on your liver and kidneys, on your digestive system. And then also opiates, you know, it's just, it's sort of the first line of defense for how pain is managed. Right. In a very general sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, from just general soreness and and the chronic pain that guys are dealing with to, you know, then when guys start dealing with more severe injuries or following surgeries, you know, Mm -hmm. then it's definitely part of the protocol. Yeah. You know, I would say 98, 98, 99% of the guys in an NFL locker room are taking some daily prescription anti-inflammatory or another yeah just to manage you know ankle soreness the the pain in your neck your back um any sore muscles you know you're just you're taking these things and it becomes so apparent because you know the veterans are all taking them so as a rookie you're like well okay i guess this is kind of how we do it and then you know, the idea of not taking something before you go out onto the field becomes not an option because, you know, the guy that you're competing against that's across the line from you, you know, that's breathing fire and, (laughs) and ready to, you know, rip somebody's rip your quarterback's throat out, you know, that dude took something to make himself feel better so that he could play at a hundred percent. So there's this onus on you to make sure that you are, you know, doing everything you can to, you know, be fully functional. Yeah. And so the pills really became a, a, a very intricate part of my pain management process, you yeah. know, and as my body began to break down, it, it just continued and it became even more so, you know, and, um, through that though, I had this sort of underlying, uh, gravitation towards cannabis. You know, mm-hmm. I'd been raised, like I said, pills were never really a thing, right. um, for me up until the NFL. Um, my parents were very holistically minded people, you know, they're very interested or very much inclined to, you know, food is medicine, you exercise to take care of yourself. Right. You know, drink plenty of water, use herbal remedies. You know, not that my parents were really like um, pro cannabis at all, but it was just sort of the mentality of, you know, we don't really go to a doctor 
to be prescribed something when we're we're dealing with uh, illness or a, a, a injury or whatever it is. You know, we were very uh, able-minded in how to sort of manage those things naturally. Right. So that was, was that weird that, when you when you went to the NFL and that the upbringing that you just described is part of you. That must have been strange yeah. when you got to the NFL and everybody's saying, "Here, take you know, take these pills." Yeah, it was strange. It was strange, but at the same time, you know, it was like, you know, I I had this. There was definitely a you know a sort of a dark cloud around the idea of taking pills. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you're kind of you're in this culture of it's really this warrior culture, and you know, my whole life has really been, I'm going to do whatever it takes to play. Yeah. And now this new thing has been introduced. So I'm like, well, if this is what they're saying I need to do to be able to play at a hundred percent. Then I guess I'll take these pills, you know? Man. Um, and the opiates were, you know, it was very apparent to me, you know, the, the times that I took opiates that these things were just awful. You know, they, they made me feel, yeah, I mean, following surgeries, you know, I did, I took, I had plenty of experiences taking opiates, even, you know, went so far as to feel the beginnings of addiction, feeling serious withdrawal symptoms, like, you know, waking up at three o'clock in the morning and cold sweats, Wow. you know, with a knifing sensation in my gut and, um, you know, that, that was my body needing more of these painkillers. Yeah. And, um, you know, and on top of that, the psychological issues that came with taking the, the opiates, which were, you know, feeling this irrational sense of rage sort of just brimming at the surface, yeah. this anger, this like irritability, this, you know, this insanity that really came out every time I took these pills, you know, I'd lash out at my, at the people around me that, you know, were taking care of me. Yeah. I had very, I was on a very short fuse, you know, I had very little control over my emotions. And I was like, man, you know, this isn't me. Yeah. Every time, you know, it was just every time I took these pills, it, it led me to the same place. And so, you know, really by the time I got to Chicago in my fifth year, I wasn't taking opiates anymore. I, I just had, uh, had felt such a distaste for them that they weren't any more part of, you know, any part of my pain management process. And was that your um, own doing? Like, did you, did you call that? Yeah, that was, oh yeah, that was just very organic you yeah. know, for me. Um, because I just knew I was like, if I take that, I'm going to feel crazy. Um, I, I had even had experiences taking them where I'd wake up the next day with a full blown, full blown migraine, wow. you know, they exacerbate headaches and stuff like that. So it really became, it was like, those things just don't do any good for me. Yeah. Now the interesting thing though is, you know, and I've, and since seeing the movie take your pills and since that has come out, yeah. Um, it really led me down this road of reflection because Adderall really became the thing that I relied on, um, in helping me manage my pain, but also dealing with my cognitive decline, which right. was happening from years and years of these sub concussive hits. I was taking and dishing out as an offensive lineman. Yeah. You know, I found myself when I, when I started taking Adderall, you know, I was really in an incredibly depleted mental state. Wow. You know, my, my thinking had slowed down. I was having a really difficult time being engaged, being interested in just about anything. Um, you know, I was depressed. I was in a fog most of the time and Adderall really helped lift me out of that. Mm -hmm. You know, the only issue was that, um, I became to, I came, I came to rely on it so heavily that I couldn't function without it. Wow. And then meanwhile, you know, I'm at the, towards the end of the day, 
I'm feeling these intense crashes where I'm spiraling into anxiety and, you know, just falling off a cliff, an emotional cliff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that became incredibly unmanageable. So, you know, Adderall, as, as positive as it was for a moment, you know, it really became just another detriment yeah. to, to me as a human yeah. being. So I'm listening to this and it's, it's, I think this might be the first time I've spoken to someone for real who's, who've been, who has been through that usage and knows what that feels like. But if I, if I wasn't talking to you and you were describing, you know, the emotional ups and downs, the, the inability, inability to focus and all of that, some might argue that isn't that what happens if you smoke too much cannabis? And, and to, <laughs> so to come back to the reason we're chatting, I mean, I'm very curious about how you discovered that and how, what role it played. Like, so, so how did you discover cannabis? When did you finally decide to go, I'm going to try this instead? And, and relative to what you just told me, how did that feel in, in, in relation? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, you know, I came to cannabis as a curious teenager Um, like many do, but, you know, I used it very sparingly until really until I got to the NFL and, um, even in college, you know, towards the end of the year when we knew we weren't going to be drug tested anymore, um, (laughs) you know, the offensive line would kind of get together we'd have like a bonfire and we, you know, get some, get some cannabis going, pass around some joints, whatever it might've been. And that was a really an incredible, it was a very soothing experience. Um, incredibly bonding experience. You know, it was a very, uh, you know, the O line is such a tight tribe that that was always like a very, uh, ceremonial, um, experience for us you know, cannabis towards the end of the football season as this sort of bonding, soothing experience. But, um, you know, as far as a pain reliever and a stress reliever, you know, that really didn't become clear until I was in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I realized that the more I, the more football I had been playing, it was almost like the more I was gravitating back towards cannabis, Hmm. um, the, the drug testing policy in the NFL is much more, it's very easy to navigate as far as how they test for marijuana, their marijuana policy. It's a annual test. So you have a general idea of when that test is happening, you know, sometime between when you first report back to your team in April and then sometime near the first, week of training camp. So you've got about a April, May, June, July, you've got like a five month window of when you can be tested. And once that test happens, you're, you're good to go. Like you can, if you're a guy who likes to consume cannabis or really any other quote unquote street drugs as they deem them, I mean, you're free to do so. They kind of turn a blind eye, but don't do any performance enhancers guys. You know, don't be doing steroids. Right. We care about that. Um, yeah, but what's um, the, what's the NFL's so policy? Navigate that. Does, does the NFL on, on marijuana? It's, you know, if you, if you test positive during that annual test, you're put into what they call the program, <laughs> which then means that they can, you know, come and knock on your door at your house anytime they want and test you right. for cannabis at any time. Right. You know, and they basically have somebody, you know, on your ass. You have to go to meetings. You have to check in with, uh, you know, uh, an advisor who works for that, for the drug testing program, et cetera. And it's really just another way to keep guys, you know, um, under their thumb in the, in the cage of, of the NFL's, you know, psychology. Right. You know, the whole thing when you get into the NFL is they're preaching to you, they're brainwashing you into, you're lucky to be here, protect the shield. Yeah. 
you know, <clears throat> this is a privilege that you've even made it here this far. And, you know, you should, you're lucky that you're here. So, and it, this is all about us. Yeah. I was just going to say, I almost feel like some of the precautions around this have more to do with protecting the reputation of the brand, the NFL brand. Absolutely. Versus, yeah. Interesting. You hit it. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. You know, so, so as a player, just to finish up the, you know, my, my cannabis usage, yeah. um, you know, with the pills being such a, you know, I could feel them. I could feel mm-hmm. when I took these things, how negative they were affecting me. And yet, you know, I was a guy who I was like, you know, I enjoy cannabis and I started enjoying it a lot more in my NFL career because it was really the one thing I could come home to. I could, you know, smoke a joint and I could vape, whatever it was. Yeah. And I would, I would, the, the physical pain in my body would be, uh, relieved Mm -hmm. the stress from, you know, these long days, the incredible, incredibly stressful environment you're in, that would be relieved. And I could just relax. I could get some sleep. I could eat some food. You know, I was always a guy that had a hard time keeping weight on. Yeah. And I'd get home just so exhausted that I, I wasn't interested in eating and cannabis helped me eat. It helped me recover. It helped me get a good night's sleep. It helped me even engage with my family. Wow. You know, with my wife, with my daughter. It helped me re-engage with my life and sort of um, decompress from the football. Yeah. And so, you know, looking back on my career, I mean, we're in this uh, highly adrenalized fight-or-flight state for so long, you know, just running on adrenaline and testosterone and cortisol for so many years that our bodies really get stuck in that, mm-hmm. in that, uh, sympathetic nervous system. And so cannabis is really one thing that helps us get out of that, get into the rest and digest, get into a, a nervous state where we can actually recover and, you know, not feel like we're losing our minds when we leave the football field. Right. So it really, you know, it was a very organic thing. You know, I wasn't necessarily aware of the medicinal benefits. I wasn't aware of, you know, the fact that we have this endocannabinoid system in our bodies. It's responsible for keeping hormonal balance and really just about every function that an athlete needs to be functioning optimally from your sleep rhythms, your appetite to your mood to uh, how you feel and deal with pain, you know, the endocannabinoid system is responsible for modulating those processes. Right. So consuming cannabis as a guy who's being put through these incredibly traumatic days, you know, it's, it's imperative that you're getting some sort of support and cannabis was that for me. Wow. I mean, uh, you know, it's funny since we started this podcast, which was, I guess, I don't know how ever many months ago that was, we've talked to a couple of athletes, some on the pro level. And admittedly, I've become quite surprised. I mean, the perception that I would have had before that anyone at a pro level, anything, to be honest, but particularly athleticism, you know, you make the assumption that, you know, that these people are the picture of health, eating well, exercising, you know, no substances at all, all of that. And what I learned, the more people I talk to like you is that that's not the case at all. Um, that, that the cannabis in your circumstance actually provides a different, it's doing a different job than, than let's say it would be for someone just smoking a joint for the hell of it, you know? Uh, sure. Did you, you, you had mentioned that you didn't know that, you know, when you were using it recreationally, you know, um, but that you, you discovered these benefits as you were going and, and now, so before you discovered the medicinal benefits and, and I guess the health benefits that you're now speaking of, what was your perception of it before that? Well, it was really, you know, I was very affected by the stigma of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all I really knew was I was like, I'm just following my instincts here. Yeah. You know, this is the thing that I, I don't know, man, this, this cannabis stuff, you know, I can go smoke a joint. And I actually feel better. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. Even though I'm hearing all of this, like this is people go to jail for this, you know, if God forbid a coach found out, you know, that I, me, Eben smoked weed, yeah. I'd be horrified. You know, I was always a team captain. I was one of the leaders of the team. I was always guys would even call me the golden child with the coaches because Holy. I was so loved and respected. And, you know, to me for a coach to think that I was smoking weed or quote unquote, a stoner, was just terrifying to me. Yeah. So I was really, it was really just about following my instincts. I was like, you know, I hear all that and I feel all that. And so I kept it very private, my cannabis use. But at the same time, you know, I was like, this is, this is the thing that's really helping me. You know, I knew yeah. intuitively that, you know, man, I wake up rested. You know, I wake up the next day, I'm less sore. I feel you know, more, I feel emotionally and physically rejuvenated, you know, wow. and more able to go into another day of the grind. You know, that was yeah. really my experience. So coming out of that and learning about all this stuff, I'm like, yeah, no shit. It totally makes <laughs> sense. You know, that I was yeah. feeling all of those things, you know? And so that was, um, you know, very much, you know, like to what you're saying, you know, to your yeah. point. And I think even now, you know, my opinion on the whole recreational versus medicinal thing has shifted because I, I believe that even people who are just using it, quote unquote, recreationally, yeah, uh, they are intuitively really doing themselves, you know, they're soothing themselves hmm. in one way or another. Right. You know, however you choose uh, to whether that's, justify that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. Somebody's like, oh yeah, you know, I just smoke weed at parties on the weekends, whatever it is. But at the same time, like there's an intuitive gravitation towards it of, you know, oh, this is something that actually makes me feel better. Yeah. You know, even if I'm doing it when I'm drinking a few beers, well, maybe that makes my hangover less the next day. <laughs> maybe I don't, you know, I'm not inclined to have another beer or another cocktail, whatever it might be. Right. You know, you're more in control of your faculties, you're more, you know, tuned into what your body's telling you and, and what you're feeling. So, you know, I believe that the, the recreational medicinal thing is, a, it's a very, um, blurred line there. Yeah. There's a I, lot, there, it's a very blurred line. I agree. In fact, I, sometimes I wonder if the whole medicinal thing has, it has become a bit of a loophole. You know, if we if sure, we, yeah. if we put it under the guise of it's medicinal, then it's okay. You know, un until yeah, it's recreational. Exactly, and uh, exactly. I mean, someday all of our countries and states will admit that. I think, but <laughs> I think that's what's yeah. going on there. So yeah, you, I agree, man. Yeah, it's funny because I, I, um, you know, again, and all the people that I've spoken to, everyone has their own version of this story, right? Um, and and, yeah. and they, they found one way or another to go, this is why it works for me. This is what it does for me. Um, but I'm interested in this idea that, you know, first of all, man, I don't know, like you, you spent your, your life trying to make it to the NFL, you made it to the NFL, and it sounds like it was a probably a, a positive and a negative experience. Like it sounds like there was a tremendous amount of pressure on you. And, and back to your point about like, nobody can find out that I'm doing this. So at what point do you decide to show up in magazines and movies? I mean, that's how I found <laughs> you, but you go, you go from one extreme to the other. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, that's really funny. Um, yes, it was very, it was a very, there were a lot of highs and a lot of lows, you know, playing yeah. in the NFL was an incredible experience, um, to say the least, right. you know, I learned a ton about myself, about the human body, about yeah. business, about, you know, other people. Um, you know, I really, I was the type of player that every time I stepped out on the field, I was just going balls to the wall, yeah. you know, and that's how I made it to the NFL. And I got to a point finally in Chicago, you know, where I had given the game everything I had to give. Right. You know, and it was time for, I really, I was starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel of like, you know, my time in this game is coming to an end. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, I, I made that decision actually that, you know, what that documentary sort of covers is in my last year at Chicago, I had taken a drug test and I had tested positive for Ritalin when I had this therapeutic use exemption for Adderall. Right. And so, um, I didn't get that notice until after the season and, you know, at the time I was like, well, you know, I'm taking Ritalin, which is, you know, it was on a day when I didn't have my Adderall, uh, a teammate had Ritalin and I was like, well, I, it, it seems to me that these two medications, you know, treat the same disorder and, um, it shouldn't be an issue. Even if I do test positive, I should have a really good argument against this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and so I went with that reasoning. Um, and I got the letter that I had failed this drug test for Ritalin. I talked with the guy who I had had a good, uh, good back and forth with a good, uh, relationship with his name is Dr. The doctor, I can't remember his name right now, but doctor's good enough. Anyway, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's the guy who heads up the performance enhancing drug testing. Oh yeah. And I had had a good relationship with him because I had had to communicate with him the whole time of when I was getting my Adderall uh, therapeutic use exemption mm -hmm. and he knew all about it. And um, so I get this letter that I failed for Ritalin and, you know, we're having a conversation. He's just like, you know, what was, what was going on? I told him the story. He was like, okay, well, you know, I'm not sure there's much I can do on my end, but you know, you can certainly appeal this through the NFLPA. I did that. Uh, my appeal was, was rejected. Uh, and I was sentenced to a four game suspension going into my seventh year in the NFL. Wow. And that really felt to me as though the universe was saying, you know, Evan, if you want to be done with football, you know, here's an opportunity. Now's the time. Um, yeah. I had a few, you know, I had a few teams call and, and want to bring me out to work me out and bring me out for mini camps and all that. And, you know, really, I, I just felt deep in my heart that I was done. You know, right. I, I played my last game and, um, so then I was left with, what am I going to do next? What do I, what's the next step here? If I'm going to be done playing, what is my next step? And going back to, you know, I majored in creative writing in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, writing, writing had really been my underlying passion throughout my football career, sort of my, my creative outlet, mm -hmm. you know, as it were throughout my football career. I had stacks of journals that I kept, you know, just, oh. you know, everything from little short stories to poetry to, um, you know, musings on the day, what a coach was saying, my thoughts during a meeting, whatever it might've been. And my wife goes, uh, Ed, let's get you a, why don't you start writing a book? Yeah. I said, all right, that makes sense. I mean, <laughs> that was sort of my plan all along. And so through my football agent, they hooked me up with a, with a literary agent. I wrote out a 60, 70 page book proposal on basically the everyday life of an offensive lineman in yeah. the NFL. Yeah. Um, and got some interest from publishers, but you know, they wanted a little more dirt. They wanted you know, or they wanted the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady story. Right. You know, they wanted the red carpet glamour. And I just didn't have either one of those. I didn't have more shit to talk about, you know, my old teammates or coaches. I didn't have, you know, the, the high priced lifestyle of a, of a Peyton Manning. Yeah. So my literary agent goes, well, let's start here. Let's write an article. I've got a great connection at SI.com let's uh let's start with an article one great article just to start buzz hmm. and so i started working with this editor from si.com i wrote out basically the story of you know my experience of failing getting to the point of failing this drug test 
and taking Adderall. And it really just turned into an expose on, you know, my experience dealing with injuries and the pills that are churned out and what that was like. Yeah. And that article got a huge amount of, um, you know, eyes on it, you know, yeah. it really blew up. It was, it was uh, a very successful piece. You know, I had even my old head trainer from Jacksonville called me up. He was pissed off. He thought it was really unfair and that oh, yeah. I had, you know, and I was like, well, dude, everything I said in there happened. And, yeah. you know, I was wondering I about that. Was, I remember yeah, when I read the yeah. story in the magazine, I was like, geez, I wonder who else is reading this and going, what the fuck is he saying right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got a, a ton of really positive support from old teammates hit me up. They were like, dude, that shit was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, that was uh, how amazing that you wrote that. Um, but he was really the only guy that he was really upset about it. And yeah. It's probably because, you know, he feels very insecure because that is how it went down. Right. You know, yeah. that, he was feeling a lot of, you know, personal shame and sensitivity towards, you know, wow, now I've got to take a look in the mirror of like, this yeah. is what's going on. You know? I mean, I guess in the um, bubble, in the bubble, you become okay with it, right? I mean, even you were saying earlier that, yeah. you know, I made it to this place. I'm watching the vets. I'm watching how I'm supposed to behave. And this is how they do things. Yeah. And in this world of the NFL, which very few get to experience, I would imagine yeah. that feels like its own little planet, you know, when you have to treat that yeah. that way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really, you know, how it is. I'm curious about the, the um, you know, it's funny the perceptions, you talked about the perceptions of, of cannabis use and no one can find out and I don't want to be a stoner and all of that. Yet the perceptions of all those prescription drugs... Like somehow, yeah, this isn't right. really a question to you per se. Maybe it's more of a comment just that somehow right. that's okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's definitely something to be taken a, a harder look at. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and even, you know, so then through that, I was approached by one of the producers of Take Your Pills. Right. Um, they said, hey, you know, I just read this article. I thought it was really incredible, your story. You know, we're doing this documentary on Adderall. Would you be interested in sharing your story on camera? And I said, yes, of course. Sure. Um, something in me, you know, I don't know, you know, my higher power, spirit, whatever, yeah. the cosmos really was drawing me towards just speaking my truth. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, has continued to really provide more and more opportunities for me. Um, it's funny, and so, and I feel very compelled, you know, I feel very compelled to share, share my story and, and speak my truth because I feel like this matters. You know, this, there's a lot of guys, you know, I'm not the only one. There's a lot of guys dealing with men and women, you know, dealing with these types of issues, um, that need to know that they're just, they're not in it alone. You know, and that yeah. there are other people going through these things and there's a way out. Um, and going back to your point of, you know, keeping the cannabis thing in the closet and how, you know, accepted and open we are with prescription pills and even alcohol and all these other things yeah. that, you know, we tend to lean on. Um, you know, following the Take Your Pills release, it was really interesting to me to, to see how many people were commenting like, well, this, you know, sheds a really terrible light on people who actually need Adderall. And, yeah. you know, <clears throat> what does this say about us? And, you know, my thing is like, well, I don't know, guys, you know, I think that <laughs> this is something that we need to take a look at. I'm yeah. sure there are people who, you know, I think that there's definitely a use for prescription drugs Sure. You know, in very acute, you know, setting situations. Yeah. Um, but just as a blanket treatment, you know, we need to reevaluate what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't, it's not, it's not working. It, you know, the people are really suffering as a result of the amount of mis, 
prescribed, over-prescribed medications yeah. that, you know, definitely we're facing in America. And I don't know that everybody would have the same, uh, I don't know what the word is, the same awareness, for lack of a better term, that you had to go, wait a minute, this isn't right for me right now. <laughs> like, I need to do something else. Right. Because I think, I think the issue, to your point, is it's less at least in my head, it's less about the prescribed drugs or prescription drugs than it is about the overuse of those prescribed drugs. And and even, sure. you know, you can make the same argument for cannabis, uh, you know, is overuse of cannabis a problem? I mean, you know, we talk a lot about that related to youth yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. But I, I want, like, honestly, man, I feel like we could talk about this for like three hours, but um, I, I want to yeah. jump ahead to, to a couple of things here. Um, one, uh, the funny thing about this conversation is that I'm equally as interested in your relationship with cannabis as I am with your relationship to the NFL. So, so I have a couple of other thoughts here. And one of them, it sounds to me like this issue in the league is very common. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. 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 That's crazy to me. You know, and I think that, you know, it's about bringing awareness to it because I think a lot of guys are not aware of what's happening inside of them. You yeah, know? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the Adderall prescription rate is right now, but I'll tell you the self-medication rate in the NFL is probably just about a hundred percent. You know, every guy in the league is, you know, self-medicating with, you know, whether it's prescription drugs, cannabis, or some other substance, yeah. alcohol, um, you know, guys are not sure what to do with themselves. And it's because, you know, we are, beating our heads in, you know, every yeah. single day we're, we're experiencing, uh, a significant amount of trauma to the prefrontal cortex of our brains. Yeah. The, the key part of, you know, human function, really yeah. all your executive decision-making, um, all of your, you know, ability to stop and think and make a, a sensible decision you know, that part of the brain is just, is, is totally inflamed mm -hmm. and it's really difficult. You know, that's why you see the, you know, the, the domestic violence issues, the, the drug addiction issues, the guys getting pulled over, you know, and that's, I mean, the drunk driving, the, the reckless behavior, it's because, you know, we are experiencing such trauma to the prefrontal cortex yeah. in football players, mm -hmm. you know, and, None of the guys in the game, like I was saying before, you know, the NFL creates an environment where you are not able to, to express these things. You're not even con you're not even able to become yeah. conscious of these, these things that you're dealing with. So, right. you know, that, that is, it is a very prevalent issue, yeah. you know, with guys in the league. Crazy. And so, you know, hopefully just talking about it, you know, more and more guys will become awakened to that truth. Yeah. Well, good for you, I think, for, for getting out there and, and creating some awareness. I mean, it's certainly a perspective we haven't talked much about on this show. Um, and, and that's the whole point is to, is to look at it from a couple of different perspectives. And I, I just want to ask a couple little things and we're getting tight on time. So if, if, if we can go through these quickly, that might be good, but, uh, two things. Yeah. So, so the first thing is, You've got some kids. Yeah. Fairly young kids. Yeah, for, one daughter. Yeah. And what's your take going to be when it comes time, if it hasn't happened already, to talk to your kids about, about cannabis? Now, it was just legalized um, in California. So yeah. when she becomes of age, it's going to be very accessible and probably fairly normal, maybe by that point. Um, have you thought about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something that, uh, you know, I mean, my daughter's six and it's like, you know, her, her teenage years seem to just be rapidly approaching, <laughs> yeah. which is terrifying. Yeah. Um, don't but, blink. Um, don't blink. You know, I really, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to, man. <laughs> I'm really just, you know, I'm being very honest with her about how this is a medicine, you know, yeah. and in my, you know, this is not something that, 
you know, we just use just for no good reason. There's a reason for how you use it. This is a plant that comes from the earth and, you know, the chemical compounds in this can help our brains heal when we've had experienced mm-hmm. trauma. And so really I try to approach it from the, the standpoint that this is a medicine, you know, and, and can and cultivating in her a respect for the plant in that mm-hmm. way. It's a different approach for sure. Yeah. Instead of, you know, I, you know, I can't really, I can't hide it. You know, I can't hide the fact, you know, she's seen the movies, she's seen the magazines, she's heard, you know, me talk about it with my wife and our family and our friends and all that stuff. You know, she's, she said, you know, daddy, you know, when like looking at a magazine is that cannabis and I'm like, Holy shit. No, she, she knows what it is, you know? So just really trying to, yeah, yeah, exactly. They really don't. And Mm. so just being honest with her about what it is and why we use it and how it works and, you know, leaving it to her. I mean, I think we've realized that, you know, the war on drugs, the dare program doesn't really, uh, you know, (laughs) hinder kids from trying anything they they feel curious about trying but at least if she can have a a real understanding of what it is um then yeah. i think we've we've got a good platform to start on i agree i think uh, i mean that's you know in all my conversations that's what i keep telling people is just learn about it learn more about it and then form your yeah. opinions based on that uh rather than some of the uh, myths or stereotypes or whatever the case might be one final thought as we as we maybe come to a close here you and it's probably an appropriate way to to wrap this up but you're now part of a new company you've called athletes for care Yep. So you've taken this, you've taken all of your experience as a professional level athlete, your experience with prescription drugs and now cannabis, and and it sounds like uh, some well-rooted uh, beliefs from your folks, which is, is very impressive, and you've turned this into this new venture. Maybe tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so um, through this process, you know, I going around and talking about my experience with cannabis and prescription drugs, you know, I've really been very fortunate to come into contact with a lot of like-minded individuals, some really great people, other pro, former pro athletes, men and women who have a, who share the same story or a similar story about what a positive effect cannabis had on our, not only our playing careers, but in our transition into life after sports. Right. And so we came together to create Athletes for Care, which is a nonprofit organization, um, really stemming out of cannabis advocacy and education. Um, We want to be the hub, the safe house for athletes coming to transition into their life after sports, you know, providing emotional and spiritual support to um, afterlife business opportunities to also, uh, creating initiatives to fund research projects for such things as cannabis and its efficacy of treating CTE, um, and then cannabis versus opiates research. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we really want to be the tip of the spear when it comes to moving these policies forward, when it comes to athletes well-beings well-being and rights yeah well done well uh like i said i I feel like we could carry on for hours i got pages in front of me with questions i never got a chance to ask so maybe we'll do this again yeah man yeah uh, we could do it again for sure yeah look i really appreciate you taking some time to chat uh it's just so crazy the way with it uh, the way that i found you so for anyone listening if you want to learn more about eben and his story uh, like like me a simple google search will uh will come up with some results as well as as linkedin which is the tool that i use to track you down and i just wanted to tell you this before i go this shoulder thing that you've got i'm in the same club man this major dislocation since i was 19 multiple multiple times for years until i recently finally had the surgery which i hope uh ends that 
experience for me, but uh, I know what you're saying yeah. there. In fact, when I got the surgery done, I think that the surgeon offered me two options, and one of them he said, or I can do this one, which is the one we do for football players. <laughs> I was like, yeah. well, I'll take yeah, that one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, man, since having surgery, I've had no problems. Thank God. They yeah. did a great job. Me so. either. Cool. Well, look, thanks again. Uh, first of all, congrats on making the, making the NFL. I mean, you talk about that being your dream for a while. So you did that well done and, uh, certainly thanks, ap- appreciate, uh, the voice you've, you've lended to the show and the perspective that you have. So, uh, I'll, I'll keep in touch and thanks again for playing a part. Yeah. I really appreciate it, Sean. You're the man. Thank you. Okay, Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was Evan Britton. I, I, um, wow. I mean, I feel like that conversation could have gone on for many hours. And as I said to him, I was, I was as intrigued by his stories of, of making it to the NFL as I was about the role that cannabis now plays in his life. And for a whole lot of reasons, I almost got the impression that when he made it there, he was a little surprised and, and maybe not all that impressed with what that lifestyle was like. And I mean, I guess it's good on some level that he can now come out and, and talk a little bit about that. that. That idea of the bubble that he lived in, you know, you look to veterans and you look to the guys that have been in that league for a while and you sort of emulate what they're doing is probably an unfortunate, um, I don't know what the word is, unfortunate benefit maybe in a weird way of being a part of an elite league like that. Um, he said a couple of things that I thought were interesting, this notion of the need to rest and digest and and that cannabis was the thing that enabled him to do that. I mean, I can't begin to imagine what kind of adrenaline and, and, and uh, emotions someone in that that world would feel, but I can't imagine how hard it must be to sort of relax at the end of a day or relax at any point. And if that's something that helped him do that, then I guess he's found a good reason for that. You know, listening to him, you'll almost, it almost sounds a little bit like he's more anti-prescription drugs maybe versus pro-cannabis. I mean, he's certainly pro-cannabis for all the reasons that he, that he, uh, talked about, but he also talked about all of the reasons why the prescription drugs weren't right for him. And I guess, again, in any sense, if if cannabis is the thing that you have found to resolve some of those uh, issues with pres- prescription drugs, then it, it feels like it's tough to argue with that. I will say, and I, I meant to talk to him, but we were starting to get a bit long, but this idea of him being an NFL, you know, offensive linebacker in day and creative writer by night is is not what I had imagined. You know, he talks about writing poetry and writing stories. And I mean, I guess there's something else you have to do outside of football. I'm not so sure I would have thought those were the things, but I'm very intrigued by that. And this notion of him being a creative writer, who knows, maybe I'll get him to write something for us one day. But um you know, again, another perspective on on cannabis that many of us would not be fortunate to hear about. Um, the the use of it intentionally for all the reasons that he listed as a professional level athlete. Uh, if there was a time when when I was surprised by the idea that pro level athletes would use this drug, um, and I'm becoming less surprised now the more that I learn about it. And once again. This becomes the theme, as, as Eben was saying, that you have to learn about it and you have to make your decisions for how and if you will use uh, for yourself. So uh, thanks to Eben. Again, you're listening to Turning a New Leaf, produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. 